Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I'm here in the Frankfurt airport. I've just flown in from Yerevan, Armenia, where I was part of a training of a group of about 40 Iranian Christians, 27 of whom came across the border from Iran into Armenia. There's a no visa requirement for Iranians, and, and so people can come in as tourists. And so it was an ideal place to offer this uh, conference and to provide training for people that are part of one of the most uh, rapidly growing churches in the world, um, in probably the most, uh, you know, persecuted place, you know, to be a Christian, Iran. Anyway, it was uh, super moving for me to be with these people who, um, they can't gather normally in any kind of public place. Uh, they can't sing in a way that anyone would hear outside of their houses. Um, you know, they um, they have to be quite secretive about their faith because they never know who might be spying on them. And it's illegal for anyone in Iran to convert from Islam to, to Christianity. And so every one of these people were converts from Islam. And uh, so they were all technically criminals. And uh, along with those 27 people that came from Iran uh, by bus were another group of 15 or so Iranian refugees. And uh, these were people who also were just, uh, they really impacted me. I mean, um, one of them was a guy who had been arrested and incarcerated for being a pastor after he'd been an iman you know uh, or pretty high up almost an iman level um you know a muslim a person who was just high up in you know in that faith and he became a christian and then uh, became very active in in just raising up um, you know christians and inside iran and he was uh, he was arrested and they wanted to give him the death penalty and uh, he told me how they brought in psych psychiatrists and psychologists to determine uh, they had to prove that he wasn't insane or crazy that he was normal uh, as one of the rules that the Iranian government has before they can execute someone so they're getting ready to execute him but he was able to raise fifty thousand dollars somehow to post bail and then uh, after a year in prison he posted that bail and then uh, fled the country for Armenia and um, the government took his house, all of his things, his bank accounts. So he had to start completely from scratch. And his children, along with a lot of other children who uh, who came, you know, across the border, let, fleeing um, Armenia or not Armenia, Iran, uh, either going to Turkey first or to Armenia. Uh, a lot of those young people left school at that point because they they didn't know the language. They don't know the language. They haven't learned Armenian, and they're part of this this Iranian uh, diaspora community that, uh, and so they haven't gone through, through any kind of schooling past whatever age they were when they left, which, you know, one of them had left at eight, age eight. And anyway, so all of these, uh, there are quite a few young people, that, like 16, 17 year old uh, young people who were there at this training as well, just soaking up um, whatever teaching they could get. And teaching is so rare, um, you know, for folks inside of Iran, but even, even people there in um, Armenia. So anyway, I was part of a training along with another uh, 
American guy um, and his wife, who's Chinese, who, who work in restricted countries in Kurdistan and other places who live there as missionaries. And we were hosted by a man named Samuel, who is Iranian um, and had to flee Iran as well, who runs a whole ministry there. And um, anyway, so we um, I was teaching and um, about, you know, Christian identity and authority and mission and evangelism, lots of different topics. And and people were coming up for prayer um, at every possible you know moment breaks, you know, coffee breaks um, at night, you know, after dinner, before dinner. Um, me and uh, this interpreter, a guy named Noah from uh, Northern Ireland, who, who was sent by a pastor friend of ours, um, Ivan Steen, he was uh, there just interpreting, uh, you know, from, you know, from Persian to English, English to Persian. And, um, and we were witnessing the Holy Spirit touch people profoundly. And, uh, and people were just really, really hungry, spiritually hungry, and just so humble. I, I was just super moved by this group. And um, anyway, one of the things that happened, I, so I began my talk with my own testimony and, you know, talked about how I had grown up in the United States and, you know, had been led to believe that our country was the greatest country in the world, that America was number one, and, and just about how I became aware of all the crimes of our nation, uh, specifically, you know, uh, what, what happened in Central America in the 50s. And, and, and then I, I brought up uh, how I was aware that the United States, the CIA, had overthrown uh, democratically elected president, um, the prime minister of Iran, um, Mohammad Mossadegh, uh, back in 1953, and how um, many Christians assumed that that was a good thing to do and s supported that. Um, and um, so I had his photo up on the up on the screen, and and uh, and I just wanted to publicly apologize for, you know, for Christians uh, just being blindly. Uh, supportive of policies of our government that have led to, you know, to, to huge amount of unrest and um, persecution, you know, for Iranians, but for people all over the world, you know, it was, we were the ones that were responsible for the Shah of Iran coming in. And then later he was deposed by, a, you know, by an Islamic government. And, you know, so we are directly um, you know, our policies of our nation are directly linked to a lot of damage and, and a lot of uh, Iranians, Mo Iranian Muslims and Muslims all over the world have the impression that, that, you know, that Christianity is associated with all this violence. And so in the light of that conversation, I put the picture up of, uh, of the Iranian general um, Qasem Sol Soleimani, this general who was targeted and killed by a drone strike um, that was, uh, you know, ordered by Donald Trump in January of, of 2020. And I just said, look, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, sorry that, uh, that we've hurt the image of Christian faith, you know, by Christians just blindly supporting acts of violence around the world. And I want to apologize. Well, when I said that, a couple of people got up shaking their heads and they just left. And I learned that I really you know, really bothered a number of people because, because this general was, you know, was responsible for a lot of, a lot of evil deeds and killings and, you know, and was, was hated by a lot of Iranians. And, 
but I also learned um, later that, um, you know, that there's sort of a pro-U.S. attitude among a lot of the Iranian underground Christians because, um, you know, because they're, they're living in this, under this oppressive regime that is uh, hated by, you know, most of the Iranian people. And, and they're doing, you know, they, they want to escape that. And, you know, and so they tend to romanticize the West in ways that I, I think are really unhealthy and that hurt their witness. So anyway, I, I, I talked um, a lot about baptism and baptismal identity and about um, just my conviction that Christians need to be, in a way, stateless, um, strangers and aliens, and we need to divest and disassociate from what our nations are doing and from the violence and, and just some of the economic policies and, uh, you know, the social class divisions that exist in our nations. We rather, we, we mustn't be about justifying those things, but we must be about Jesus and lifting him up as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and talking really openly. Um, you know, I mean, of course, you can't talk openly in Iran, but you know, just forefronting that we're about a kingdom that is not of this world, uh, which doesn't mean we, we, we pull away and we refuse to denounce injustices, but it means that we don't associate with, um, with political movements like um, is currently happening in the United States in a, in a really uh, destructive way. So anyway, I was, I was at, the more that I spoke about kingdom of God identity, um, and the more uh, as the week went by, uh, some of these people that you know, they, they'd come to me and they told me how upset they were that I was, you know, was suggesting that, um, you know, that we should love our enemies and including some of these really, really dark characters like uh, Suleimani. And um, they began to come and tell me that, they, that they, they were having a change of heart and that they could see my point. And it was really interesting um, because I, I guess I was having a change of heart by just realizing just, um, you know, how how careful we need to be about, you know, just uh, anything we say that is, that, that could be politically, uh, you know, just misunderstood. And, you know, right now, um, you know, as we read the news about what's happening in Gaza and Israel with, you know, the invasion uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, just what's happened with all the killings and, and now Isra the Israeli government, um, Israeli army entering into Gaza and all the death. Um, you know, now is a time when I think we need to be especially careful not to justify violence. Um, the violence of the Palestinians, which is easy, easy to justify. It's easy to understand how outraged they are by, you know, all the settlements and how there's been no respect for their own sovereignty. And um, they've been oppressed and are, and are really victims of a kind of apartheid system in Israel. And there's lots of... Uh, ways to justify their anger and their violence, but um, it, there's also ways to justify the Israeli response because, uh, you know, Hamas, what they did was so dark and so evil. But we as believers, followers of Jesus, must resist, um, you know, being siding with violent uh, actions. And But we must do it from a place of real humility and solidarity with people and, and non-judgmental you know, a posture of non-judgment, understanding that, you know, that the people who've been harmed and who, you know, are raging or, you know, want or feel vindictive or, you know, are just 
outraged by the injustices, they they need to feel heard, completely heard, and, and we need to be walking alongside people. But truly a pointing to an alternative, a third way, a, or I would say the only way of peace, which is uh, the way of Jesus and and the embracing of the cross of as the way that the victory is achieved. And um, so anyway, that that was a message that people were, you know, were really warming to. And um, so I've been just reflecting just uh, as I've been, you know, on the plane today flying from uh, Armenia to Vienna and then from Vienna to Frankfurt um, on the servant of the Lord passages in Isaiah. You know, there I was um, just, I don't know how many hours, four hour flight, I think from Baghdad, north of Baghdad and just eight hour bus ride from the border of Iran. And, and, you know, um, Isaiah 40 to 55 is set in, in Babylon, you know, where the, the people of God had been carried off into exile after um, all the warnings of you know, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the prophet warned them that their idolatry was going to lead to uh, devastation for them as a nation, and they were going to be carried into exile, which they were, um, you know, as a result of their mistreatment of the poor and of their idolatry and their worshiping of the high places and collusion with, you know, with a lot of the pagan um, religion, religions of the, of the time. And anyway, so Israel was carried off into Babylonian exile, and we actually have, you know, Isaiah 45, this mention of this Persian King Cyrus, who God raised up to um, be like, a, uh, he's even called the Messiah. He was anointed to, uh, you know, to, to free the, the people of God from the Babylonian captivity and actually to commission the, the building of the, you know, of the, of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple. So, um, so, you know, Isaiah 40 to 55 just was feeling really relevant as I was flying back and reading it. And I just want to read a few sections and just uh, make a few comments about that. So, um, you know, we have Isaiah 41. Uh, well, 40 begins with this comfort, comfort my people. And that is clearly what the people of uh, Iran, these Christians need. You know, um, Isaiah 40 to 55 is really um, a, a whole collection it's like an anthology of prophetic words that are uh, all about bringing comfort and speaking good news to people who are suffering, you know, um, and who are under a situation of where they're oppressed. And um, so here's an example of, of, uh, of, of some of that, uh, one of those uh, prophetic words. This is Isaiah 41, verse beginning in verse 9. Um, or eight, but you, Israel, my servant, and I'd like to interpret Israel as, you know, God's people, but you, uh, God's people, my people, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, you, you whom I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I've chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And um, anyway, this this felt this feels so relevant to these Iranian believers who are clearly like um, in a place of of, of deep anxiety and, and real trauma because uh, 
they know people who've been their leaders who are who've been killed or who have had to flee into exile or who are currently in prison. And uh, a lot of the leaders that we met and that we, we prayed for were people who knew that at any time they could be arrested and, and, and spend any, anywhere from, you know, um, six months to, you know, to 15 years in, in prison. And, uh, and people, you know, people feel, uh, you know, just the, precarious state that they're in, which is truly is precarious and, and, and just not being able to trust anyone, even you, you don't even know if there's an, a, someone who's a plant, you know, who works for the government, who's part of your house church. So, um, but anyway, this scripture, um, goes on to say, behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but you will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing non-existent. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. And, um, and then it goes on, Behold, I have made you a new sharp threshing sledge with double edges. And you will thresh the mountains and pulverize them and will make the hills like chaff. You will winnow them and the wind will carry them away and the storm will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. And, um, and then it goes on. The afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. This is clearly was the situation of these people. They, 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 they were so spiritually hungry and so open that to teach them was just like a joy because uh, they were so open and, you know, and here they were, they, they couldn't write anything down uh, because uh, anything that they would carry back into Iran uh, at the border, they, they would, they could run the risk of, of being exposed as, as, as Christians and then ending up being arrested right on the spot. So they weren't allowed to have their phones there with them. They had to keep their phones in their, in their hotel, in rooms of their, this little hotel that was, basically just like a big building that was rented by, you know, where there were cots, you know, like 10, 15 cots per room where people were sleeping. Uh, but they had to keep all their phones, uh, you know, um, up in their baggage. And they, and they were told to not take any photos of anybody and not write down anyone's phone number of any of, any of the people in, like us as the teachers. And, and not, not they couldn't bring anything back that, that would be evidence against them. And so here they are, they're just drinking in whatever they can and trying to remember uh, the content. Um, and um, anyway, that this scripture just felt so relevant. And when I, when I think about this, uh, you know, them being like a threshing sledge with double edges, like these are people who are advancing the kingdom of God, like they're harvesting in, in a setting where um, it's, it's super hostile towards Jesus. And um, anyway, so God says, I, the Lord, will answer them myself. That, that's uh, those that are afflicted and needy who are seeking water. Um, I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. And um, I felt like I was, was just had the incredible privilege, me and the, and the other people that were teaching there, of actually being the agents of God's answering and, and, and showing that God has not forsaken them by just going and, and walking alongside these folks. 
I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys, and I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. I will put cedar in the wilderness and acacia and myrtle and the olive tree. Um, anyway, um, it's this is just beautiful uh, to read this. And, and then this, the following chapter, 42, is the presentation of the servant of the Lord. You know, um, behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon uh, that servant and he or she will bring forth justice to the nations. And this clearly is, is something that I can recognize um, as a role that these are, um, Iranian believers um, can have and do have. I mean, they're, they're, they're spread all over the world. You know, there's, there's Iranian Christians that are uh, refugees and immigrants and refugees in, you know, all over the United States and everywhere in Europe and um, a man, I met a man in Armenia who has a whole Zoom church that is directed towards the um, Iranian diaspora. And um, so, you know, just um, the spirit of the Lord being upon them. And, um, and it says, he will not cry out or raise up his voice. Okay. So this is a subversive type of presence. You know, uh, you can't just go and just be a public uh, person about your faith and, and speaking it out loud it's it's this is something that is done undercover it's like you know the the guerrilla movement um idea that you know it's a subversive thing to be a christian and and this picture of of god's people that are sort of behind enemy lines you know in exile here is uh, is relevant to the confessing church and 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 maybe we need to begin to see it as more relevant um for ourselves in our own settings and which is which is where um there's sort of a back you know uh, like a, an after effect now where i feel like i'm feeling so challenged because i realize here in my you know in my home in my house i've just got piles and piles and piles of books of just amazing uh, literature christian literature and exegetical commentaries and you know we have bibles uh, i don't know how many bibles we have just in our own home but you know, we have access to everything in our country, but do we even make use of it? You know, do we even uh, soak it up and, and draw from it? You know, it's like there's all this bounty, but but really we're in a wasteland in a lot of ways because increasingly the, you know, people are leaving the churches. And um, some, after having just taken such um, offense at the politicization of the church, um, you know, that is currently underway, and others who are calling themselves Christians yet are really about an agenda that's a political agenda that that includes the you know the embracing of of, of violence, um, you know, and and say standing behind the state of Israel, and and completely endorsing their violent response against um, you know against Hamas. So we we need to see ourselves a lot more maybe we would see ourselves we would actually become more like this subversive servant if we were actually uh, bearing witness to a jesus who was other and distinguished and differentiated from the status quo in in the way that jesus truly is um so uh, it goes on in verse verse three a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish 
So the people that are already oppressed, he's not going to come down on them and lay a guilt trip on them or, or, you know, bring a Turner Burn sort of approach. You know, it's like people are already crushed, um, but rather he'll faithfully bring forth justice. You will not be disheartened or crushed, even though it would be normal if he or she would. And people clearly were feeling that way, um, but they needed to be reminded um, that they won't be disheartened or crushed until um, he, um, and I believe this is a prophetic text that also is um, points to Jesus and was fulfilled in Jesus, until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his teaching. And, um, and so, you know, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah goes on, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I'm the Lord, and I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the, your hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the peoples, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I will proclaim them to you. And I really think this these new things are what is needed right now in this, you know, as the as Christianity dies in a way in the West, you know, or a certain kind of at least white Christianity is 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 on its way out or has just been co-opted by, you know, by the politi political agendas of, of the, of the right and, and, or of the left in some cases as well, you know, um, as the, as the faith, um, is diminishing, you know, because we've missed the point in so many ways, you know, we've, we've forgotten to really lift up Jesus as, um, the King of Kings that he is. And as the, the Messiah whose way of saving uh, does not include the use of violence against enemies of flesh and blood, but uh, but really involves Jesus surrendering himself over um, as, um, as, uh, as a victim who uh, lets himself uh, be killed, lets violence be done to him, and in so doing um, undoes the power of that violence and and you know, he dies and we die with him in our baptism. So, um, and we're raised up with him in our baptismal uh, identity as, uh, as children of the father in heaven. And so if we've already died and we've already resurrected, then we don't need to worry about dying. We don't need to worry about being killed, even though, of course, we, 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 we may, we will. But it's this new movement. Uh, that is fearlessly um, about and unashamedly about um, seeking a kingdom that is not of this world. That is the, that is the alternative way that we need to be about right now. Um, so I, um, I would just like to share with you in closing um, a, a worship song. And um, this song is one that we sang over and over. And um, I hope that I can add um, the translation of it. It's a Persian song that is just so beautiful and, and it will give you a sense of, of just, um, you know, the joy that filled these people 
as we worshiped every night after all the trainings. And, um, and I just want to encourage you to pray for these Iranian believers as they return and, uh, and the many Christians in restricted countries, you know, who are trying to live out their faith, um, that they would be protected, you know, from some of the really negative politicized, um, theology that is being spread around through the internet, um, often by North Americans that is actually making, um, bringing about a lot of confusion about what the real message is and who Jesus truly is and what he's about. And, um, so before reading that though, I just want to, or before uh, putting that music on, I just want to close by reading uh, a section from Hebrews chapter 11 that, that really moved the people and, um, and move me afresh as I return home today on my flight. I'm pondering, um, you know, this uh, this kingdom that is not of this world that, that is described in Hebrews 11. So listen to this. So Abraham, who is the founder, really, of the people of God, by faith, um, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive as for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay, so we, we need to just be about that, you know, making a break, leaving our identity according to the flesh, not uh, being so vested in, you know, what our, um, you know, the, just our, our national identity, our, our um, identity that, um, that we're really called to leave to, to fully be inhabited by the, the Holy Spirit that gives us um, this a new identity, the spirit of adoption that makes us uh, born from above, born, you know, of God. Um, so he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he, they were looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So that that is what I think we need to be, we need to be really pondering and meditating on right now and, um, and not letting ourselves, you know, fall uh, for the temptations of, of just the political solutions or even agreeing um, with, you know, with violence as, as a legitimate means of, of bringing about uh, change. So I want to read, um, also beginning in verse 13 of Hebrews 11. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now these folks in Iran, they know that completely. And um, they can, they bear witness to us, uh, those that, you know, that um, haven't really divested. And, um, you know, because we are beneficiaries of, of, of wealth and, and of our, you know, our, the passports that we hold and the power that we wield and, and our racial ethnic profile and, you know, all of the, the benefits that we've been able to, you know, to, to receive, I guess, you know, um, they've confessed and, and, and we need to make a deliberate effort of confessing that we're strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country um, of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, okay, like make America great again, um, 
or whatever it is that your nation, um, you know, your own national identity, the temptation to kind of think about that country. If um, indeed they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. Okay, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's the city that I want to be part of, the one that I know my Iranian sisters and brothers are going to be uh, be present in, and, and so many others are, um, around the world and in our prison system and the poor and the marginalized um, of the of, of this planet. And so let's let's just close with a prayer, and then um, I, I, I would invite you to worship along um, with this um, music that we were singing last night in uh, Armenia. So God, our Father, I ask that you would strengthen us to to truly step away from our identity according to the flesh and be born from above again and to truly embrace our stranger and exile status and the calling that we have to be your servant and to let your spirit be what inhabits us and empowers us to be able to bear witness to your the kingdom that Jesus is the king of and who is the you know, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, help us to renounce violence and to refuse to justify the evils um, on any side and to be about um, truly um, the way of peace that you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, embody. Pray in your name. Amen. Amen.